0: What I'll do is actually I'll I'll save Gail and from having to introduce all three of us. We are um, well, actually there's four of us here representing. Um, but I am the new executive director for Loving. This is the start of my fourth week, so <laughs> here I go. Um, and uh, we have also with us our Gap Ministry Manager, which is Rob McCormick, and then we also have Christine Summers Austin with us, who is our um, executive assistant, hence why she's here, making sure I got over here. Um, and then we also have with us Jane Maggard, who runs our Change Your Life programs. Um, and so they're going to kind of take 10 minutes to talk each. Christine is here to just make sure we don't do anything wrong. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we won't take up too much time, but I will start off first and make sure we keep my time around here. So. I don't go over my allotted time, and then Rob only has two minutes. I wouldn't want to do that to him. Um, What I wanted to talk to you about today was um, kind of that idea of planting the seed of Christ. Uh, For each and every one of you, it got planted in you at some point in your lives. You've probably already planted a little seed in someone you have interacted with or um, are maybe watering that seed that someone else had already planted or you possibly are going to be start cultivating the, the growth of somebody in Christ. And so I just kind of want to talk really briefly about how my walk and having that seed of Christ planted in my life and how that has blossomed. Um, I grew up uh, see, my family, we went to church uh, a lot when I was young. Um, you know, attended the Sunday school, you know, mom, dad, brother, we all went to church every Sunday together. And one of the things I remember from Sunday school is, and I kind of feel bad for my, my teachers right now because if this is really all I remember, <laughs> but do you know coloring books, you get the outline of things. Well, it was, a, I just remember always being asked, color what you think Jesus looks like. And so of course I made him flesh colored a lot of times and then he became purple. Came polka dotted at times and, you know, very colorful Jesus, actually. But at that age, very, very young, that seed was planted. That I heard the name Jesus. I heard the name God. Um, As I started to grow older, um, I definitely, you know, believed in God. But as I became older, um, my my ideas changed of what I wanted in my life. my uh, entire family, kind of life gets busy, and next thing you know, church falls to the wayside of that busy life. And um, what ended up happening was basically we were, became the, the Christmas Easter churchgoers. Uh, we were no longer participating all the time. And so at that time frame, my, that seed that got planted became a bit dormant. Uh, it wasn't being watered. Um, nor was it being watered to anybody in my family, really. And as we moved, you know, getting older, getting to my teens, where I am arrogant and I know better than anyone else, especially God. I know, I, I know how to run my life. Um, I really kind of didn't stop going to church altogether, and volleyball was way more important in my life than anything else. And so there, again, it's becoming more and more dormant. But when I got into high school, I was asked by a friend of mine to go with her to a youth group. Um, how many of you have heard of like, Young Life? OK, so I was asked to, to a- attend Young Life, and I loved it. Man, social fun, and you're learning about Jesus. I was all in. It was great. Now, I will say that I am, was, I am now, I wasn't at the time, much of a reader. Uh, in, High school and into college a bit, I really didn't want to read those books. I didn't, especially didn't want to read the Bible. That was confusing. Um, and so it's only from what I heard. Uh, and I listened a lot. And I still remember both of those, um, I guess, leaders that we had for Young Life, Judy and John, totally separate from each other. Um, but Judy was telling me about this, this Savior, Christ, that He's, he's going to save, save me from all my sins. And that I was like, wow this is great. Now, remember, I'm an arrogant teenager, and I said, so what you're telling me is if I accept this guy, Jesus Christ, who I've colored multiple different colors, as my Lord and Savior, I'm good to go. I'm covered. And she's like, well, it's not exactly that way. It's not kind of, I'm good to go. Let's just go sin, and we're all good. But in my mind, I was like, ah, I know how to beat this system. So they're kind of, stayed with Young Life for a while, graduated, and um, that seed, although it got watered a bit by the friend who invited me, by those different leaders that brought me to Christ, I wasn't really cultivating it myself. And then, um, oddly enough, I went to Catholic college, (laughs) Um, and I went for volleyball. Uh, I was really kind of like, oh, i got to take two religion classes? Oh, okay, I can get through this. Well, I can tell you, they're the coolest nuns I have ever met at at College college, college, of Notre Dame of Maryland when I went there. It's now Notre Dame of, no, Notre Dame University of Maryland. Yeah, that's the name of it now. I got a new diploma and everything. They mailed it to me. It was great. Um, But there, that that seed got watered again. Um, I didn't grasp onto it, but I was hearing, and it was being cultivated by Sister Sharon Canis and other nuns and other friends that were there. But I still was on my own path. And then in my 20s, um, had some pretty good tragedies happen. And you know nothing like a good tragedy to bring you to God or to make you turn your back on him. And I became angry. And with that anger, I was like, God, you turned your back on me. And then that seed laid dormant. It, Let's see, that was my early 20s, well uh, into my late 30s. Yes, I am. I am not ashamed to admit it. I am in my mid-40s, and I love it. <laughs> so there it laid dormant for a long time. But then one day, I got really sick. Um, I don't know, anybody ever heard of the swine flu? I got that. It was horrible. And when I finally got better, and after my first day I got to go back to work, I came through my front door, went straight to my breakfast bar, sat down, and went, I know what I'm missing in my life, and it's God. And it's this guy, Jesus Christ, who I've colored different colors, who I've l- learned a bit about but hadn't really gotten to know him. And then I went into work the next day to a co-worker who her and her husband had just moved to our town six months prior, and I'd been living there for 12 years. And I walked into her office, and I said, where do you go to church? And she. She and her husband were just amazing. Um, they, they enveloped me in, but the thing is, how did I know to go to her? She wasn't sitting in the you know, break room in the corner yelling, repent, repent. You know, that I, I just, there was a light in her. She lived a Christ-like life that I was like, I want what she has. And lots of days, let me check my time, doing good. Um, there was a lot, a lot of days I was in, in church uh, bawling my eyes out. Oh, I sobbed so much. By the way, tears have toxins in them, so I was actually detoxifying. And what, <laughs> what really um, was amazing to me was physically feeling that spirit of Christ come into my being and filling that void that I had had for so long. And that seed was really growing. I mean, it was blossoming, and there was one day, sobbing in church again. <laughs> this is, you know, good two two solid years of just crying, um, and all of a sudden, I I just started laughing, and a happy laughter, and I was laughing because I was laughing with somebody else who had this amazingly happy, happy laughter, and that person that was laughing with this joyful laugh was Christ. And he was laughing with me and and not at me, but he would literally, in my mind's eye, I see him just belly chuckle, smile on his face, shaking his head, going, she finally got it. That I never turned my back on her. I was always right here. And all I had to do was turn around. I kind of think of the prodigal son and I just needed to turn around and run back to him. And man, when that all clicked in me, man, I, I was like that kid uh, that you see on the TV. Matter of fact, I, I'm a military brat, and I have been that kid. We're running towards the parent who just came back from deployment across the tarmac, and you're jumping in their arms. That was me jumping into Christ's arms. And so I guess my thing I really want everyone to understand is we're always planting seeds. You guys are, are cultivating your seed by a by being here, and you're gonna, your light's going to shine onto someone else that's going to go, wow, what does that person have that I don't? And just from living a Christ-like life is where you are going to bring other people. You're, they're going to gravitate towards you to want that as well. And not everybody goes through the roller coaster like I did. And, and now I, I see the joy in the roller coaster I did go through. Um, the tragedy and pain I went through, I actually see it as such a blessing and I'm thankful for it. I don't wish for anybody to have died or my parents to have divorced, but it taught me so much, and I have been able to use that to help other people, and I realize that we all go through these things to help water seeds within other people. All right, I, I have 20 more seconds, but I won't steal it. I am gonna have Jane go ahead and, and start, um, but thank you very much for being the seeds around here.
1: this work? Can you hear me? Okay. I I decided to use this instead of the clip-on one. Um, Yes, my name is Jane Maggard, and um, I am a mother of six children, um, and they're between the ages of 15 and 23, so I currently have four teenage daughters at home, and I love it. (laughs) Um, And uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about ministry, Um, what what God has done in my life. And allowed me to be a part of and um, my family is has always been my first priority as my ministry Um, I've been various places but um, I believe that and I I get very emotional so um, I believe that um, if as a parent as a mother father um, if you have children that is your first priority that is your ministry God might use you for other things but um, if you can't, um, you know, minister to your children and your own family, then, you know, are you going to be able to minister to others? Um, we need to be able to take care of them. So, so I've been busy as a mother for the past 23 years. Um, I also teach Spanish and um, at a small one-room school where my children attend. And then I'm also, um, at this point, I'm I starting, just a year ago, started as this Change your Life coordinator at Love in the Name of Christ. And um, I'm really enjoying that as well. So um, I'm going to kind of, I'm taking off what Christine said, uh, Christine, Sheila, sorry. Our former director was Christina, so it gets a little confusing around loving sometimes. Um, taking off what Sheila said about planting seed, having seeds planted, um, I, I grew up going to church and, um, and, uh and, and we would have missionaries that visited certain times. And I would love to, I love to hear their stories. And I believe that and through those missionaries coming to our church that I had seeds planted in my heart. Um, I did desire to be a missionary. I really didn't um, want God to send me to Africa. But if that was what he wanted, then I would have gone. Um, at the time, I also, my other dream was to be a mother and obviously fulfilled that one, Um, but more than anything, I wanted to do what God wanted me to do, wanted to follow the will of God, so um, I knew I needed training, like I said, I grew up in church, I'd heard various sermons, but um, I wanted more training than I had, and um, so I did go to college for a semester, found out that wasn't for me, But then I heard about um, YWAM. I don't know if any of you have heard of YWAM, Youth with a Mission, also known as Young Women After Men. (laughs) It works. That's where I found my husband (laughs) and a lot of my friends as well. So um, anyway, Um, but I I met him, and we had the same missionary vision. We wanted to go be missionaries. And so um, we got married in 1991. And then in, I think it was 93, we moved to Mexico along. By then, we had a five-month-old son, so we took him with us. And, um, and so, in, in while we were in Mexico, my husband's ministry, you know, the, uh, he worked more in discipling Mexicans. Um, he got to go more out in the field. And um, my ministry at that time was to my children. Um, we had two more daughters while we were in Mexico. um, But I also found that as I went to the market, where I had to learn Spanish as I went, because I didn't know much before, um, I made friends there, women would come to my house, children were always in our house playing with our kids. So even though um, I didn't have a large ministry out in the field, um, my ministry again was at home with the kids and just um, in the sphere of influence where God had put me. So um, and in in Mexico, I don't know if you've ever been to Mexico, but there you cannot avoid seeing the needs of people. It's not here. They don't have zoning laws like they do in the US where you can have the nice part of town and then the not so nice part of town. It's all together. So so you cannot avoid seeing the need. You go to the market and you see people who don't have much. Um, Their shoes are flopping if they have shoes. their clothes or, you know, you can tell that they're very needy. So, um, so I would, so that's what I would, I would see some of those needs, help out where I could, you know, have people come to my house, um, feed them sometimes. um, And just, just as I lived my life there in another culture, um, realizing I was in the minority at that point, um, but being very accepted, um, just allowed, just allowed God to use me to the people that were in my sphere. So we were there for five years, and um, but then we decided to try something a little different. Uh, my husband's giftings are more lie in the area of serving rather than preaching and teaching. So so we um, took a year off, went back to Arkansas, I had another daughter born there, and then after that we moved to Guatemala because we wanted to move somewhere where we, already, we could use the Spanish that we knew. I had spent five years learning Spanish, I wanted to be able to use that. Didn't want to have to go somewhere where I'd have to learn Swahili or, um, or Arabic or something that was completely different. So, um, so we chose to go to Guatemala, and we went with an organization called Food for the Hungry. Has anyone heard of that organization? They're based out of Arizona. And they're like a Christian relief and development organization. So, so similar to the Peace Corps, but with the Christian foundation. So again, my husband would go out in the field, and, um, and my ministry, again, was to my children. And by then, uh, we had two more girls in Guatemala. We have a very international family, two Mexicans, two Arkansans, and two Guatemalans. Um, anyway, so, um, but, it, but again, I just, where I was, um, we would have kids over all the time. I remember specifically one time at Christmas, we had a little Christmas birthday party for Jesus. And so, just um, took the kids in, and I don't know how many of them, you know, knew or heard much about Jesus, but... Um, there's nothing like the little kids. Uh, people would flock around the little American kids. And so we had an open door pretty much anywhere we went. Um, but anyway, so it's, again, it was just ministering to the ladies that were in my sphere of influence, where God had put me. And um, so we were there for three years. and um, And then... Felt like it was time to move, uh, Greg is from here in Montana, so it felt like it was time to move back, be with family, um, and uh, the kids' education, we just, and some different, we decided where to go to church and those kind of things. So we came back, and um, and then I started teaching in this little one-room school where our kids attend, and teaching Spanish. So I was able to use that, um, that gift that, that God allowed me to, to um uh, to learn while I was in the Spanish countries, so um, so I've been doing that since we moved back in 2002. So um, and again, like so, the needs when we move back here, the needs are not as obvious. the The ministry opportunities are not as as uh, open, um, and so it takes a little bit more looking, a little bit more maybe hearing, uh, being available to um, to meet needs, but. Um, in the Gospels, it says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." And so that's, that's always been um, been a strong uh, important part of our lives, no matter where we were, whether we were in Mexico, Guatemala, whether we're here in Montana. Um, and again, my neighbor is, is those who God has placed me this, in, in my sphere of influence. So um, when I came back, I'd heard about love, Inc, so I started volunteering there. I'm um, just doing whatever I could, packing, helping somebody pack up, moving things, um, cleaning someone's house, um, just any way that someone had a need, if I got a call and I could do it. Um, I've served in our church, in the choir and church school, and um, just tried to be, um, be available to serve as, where I am. And so, you know, and as a mother, it's not always easy. You've got your kids running around everywhere. You've got to take them around. Um, and But in, in the midst of it all, just remembering, you know, my, my first priority is my family. Um, and then, but as I can, to reach out to those that are my neighbors and around me. So now that I've, my kids are older, they're teenagers, they can do uh, a little bit better without mom. Uh, so my ministry opportunities has changed. I still continue to teach Spanish. But, like I said, a year ago, I started working at Love in the Name of Christ, and that brought me again face-to-face with, with the needs in our community. Um, as the Change Your Life Coordinator, um, I, we have three classes, Finding Financial Freedom, Resolving Everyday Conflict, and Love Your Kitchen. Um, this is, it helps people to make positive changes in their lives. So, I get to visit with our, our potential students, and... Um, it was very eye-opening. Has been very eye-opening for me, to um, to see the needs that are in our community, and to realize how difficult some people really do have it. And so, it's a blessing to be able to um, to be able to introduce them to this to these classes and to help them maybe get unstuck from their difficult situations, to give them hope and to show the love of Christ. So, um, through all this, through all, so I I tell you this story to just to um, to mention my overall desire, the overall prayer that has been a part of the different phases of my ministry and my life has been the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I'd encourage you all to, to keep that prayer in mind. Um, sometimes, like Sheila was talking, we get our own ideas, we get our own things that we want to do, but um, if we can keep the foundation as thy kingdom come, thy will be done and do what God um, wants us to do, do his will, then no matter whether you're a mother, which I believe is one of the most important jobs in the universe, um, and here in the U.S., whether you might serve in another country, whether you might, um, you know, maybe you're not a parent yet, but wherever you are and whatever your sphere of influence is, is to keep... um, just to remember that, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So hopefully, you've been a little bit encouraged by the story, and um, thank you.
2: <laughs> no, I'm wired. Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning. Jane took the planting of the seeds, so I guess I'm stuck with the crying in church. <laughs> Ironically, it's true. Uh, my life has kind of been like footprints, footprints in the sand, although when there was two sets, I knew God was beside me. When there was one, I knew I was being carried. I didn't have to question that. That's how it really felt to me. Interestingly enough, going to church, I did a lot of crying, because it felt like the, the pastor was writing the sermons for me. Actually, it felt a little creepy, and I was wondering if he was a stalker for a while, <laughs> because it was so personal to me that I really did spend a lot of time solving and it was, it was amazing. Um, I'm broken. I know that I'm open to the Lord. When I first really embraced Christ as my savior, it was a personal thing. It was for me. I went to church. I sat in the back, right, cried a lot, but it was, it was my relationship. This is all about me. And him and the two of us together I didn't really think of it beyond that as my faith has grown and my knowledge has deepened I realize it's more of a public thing now I'm not advocating carrying around signs or wearing placards on the corners if you know that's not your thing but we do actually have the responsibility and the calling to carry Christ with us wherever we go It should be innate to us how we interact with others, how we make decisions, what we do. I mean, that is what we're called to. John 14 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. James says, Be doers of the word, not just listeners. Actually get out there and do something. To even just Just carry it with you and know that you're carrying that love. To be the the embodiment of that love. To treat other people with respect. With the love that that Jesus has called us to give to them. Does amazing things. To have people in the workplace. and, And you don't have to be in ministry for this to occur. Wherever you are, to be at the supermarket and you can help someone, like I'm taller so I get things off the shelf a lot, because I can. Uh, when in the workplace, when before I became in ministry, I would make sure that they would, I would try at least to act in a way that my coworkers would be like, you know, there's something different. Not in a bad way, but he's always there to listen. He's always there to support. He doesn't have to take the credit. Instead, he wants to lift up others. And that's how I attempted to live my life. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a saint by any means. I know I'm a sinner. And when I fall and when I stumble and when I fail, I ask for forgiveness, I get back up, I rededicate my life to it and move forward. And that is an amazing thing. We've been called to be, to, to love each other as I have loved you, in the words of Jesus. But also, to be a light of the world, World, sorry, to be a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Be that shining example, just carry that with you. But also, emulate Christ's humility. And humility value others above yourself. A few years ago, I had a interesting thing. I, I had a realization that my time in church, I was being served. I had yet to stand up to serve. Cried a lot. Had people put their hands on my shoulders, be like, "You know, man, this guy's a basket kid. No, they didn't <laughs> say that. They came alongside of me and said, you know, are you okay? Is there any way we can do it? They were the lights. And for a long time, there was a family there and they would serve and they would do offering and they would be greeting and they would go around and lift other people up and I would sit there and go, someday I want to be like that. I want to be like you, man, isn't that somewhere? No, but I'd always want to be like them. And then it dawned on me that I was being served by them and I wasn't serving anyone. And then ironically, there was a knock at my door and I was asked to be one of the men's ministry leaders. They saw in me a talent that they wanted to have on the leadership and I ran. And then my wife's foot in my back pushed me back to the door and I accepted that calling. And it's been amazing and I've grown. And by trying to be that light and trying to shine be that light in the darkness. I've found that one of the things is, if you have darkness in your life, meaning that if you have something you wanna hide, if you have things that you're ashamed of, and you hide them and hide them in darkness and don't let anyone see it, that has power that takes you away from the Lord. If you shine the light into all the corners of your room and you take ownership of your sins and you take ownership of the things you're failing and expose those dark things to the light, it loses its power, and you grow. And by sharing that with other people, it's amazing what can happen. I was at a men's ministry meeting, and we had gone all through, and I facilitated I, I don't lead it. They say lead, but that's not really what happens. I show up and say, so, what happened to you this week? And then it's you. But I turned to a gentleman who had never been there before, and he was in his early 20s, and I turned to him and said, "You know." Um, do you have anything you'd like to share? He sat there for the whole few hours, and it did last hours. And he started crying, and he never realized that other people also fail. You sit in church, and you think the person next to you has no failing. But as we all know, none of us are worthy, not even one. Christ died for our sins, and that is how we're redeemed. Being a light can have a major letting the light shine through you can have a major impact on people. There was a child that grew up to a family, uh, the parents weren't married, they lived in poverty, the child never was able to go to camp. They had the opportunity recently to go to camp. By going to camp, they were surrounded by people. It was a Christian camp, forgot to mention that part. They were surrounded by people that were there intentionally in order to show Jesus to the campers that came Before the week was out, that child received Christ as their Savior, went home to this poverty, said to the parents, can you please drive me to youth group? Can I please go to church? The parents saw something different, saw something growth, a growth in this person, and followed her to church. Then they accepted Christ. They moved into separate houses in order to avoid sinning, got married and then all unified together as a Christian household following the word, which is absolutely amazing. More personal to you, I would say, would be, there was a a lady who was estranged from church, estranged from God, living in a trailer, couldn't take care of her property, a group of Christian college students volunteered as a group to go clean up her house. They carried that light to do that. They served this lady by cleaning, by doing all those things, but they served this lady by showing her the love of God through them. She wrote us a letter that said that I was estranged from God, but having these young college students come in and show me God through their actions made me come back, ask forgiveness, and begin my walk again. That's the kind of uh, thing that, that you can do by getting out there. Now, I, I know I'm running out of time, so what I will say is, bring your gifts to the service of God. And don't always try to stay in your comfort zone. It doesn't work. God puts you out there and does not keep you in your comfort zone. The story of Jonah and the whale is a big thing with that. It's not really about the whale. It's about God said, Hey, I want you to do this. He took off and then all these turbulent seas made it so that he ended up where he was supposed to be and did amazing work. Now I hope you don't have the turbulent seas in your life, but if you do, that's because God is polishing you. That's because God is, is strengthening your face, face. Faith is building your character and is bringing you to where you need to be ultimately. Hopefully, not in the whale, but you'll be delivered better and stronger and more able to figure that out. My journey now, as I said, I'm broken. I look back and I say, oh, I see. I was being smoothed out and strengthened for where I am now. I turn around and I don't see anything but the footstep in front of me. And that, I have faith. It's God's will, not my own. Thank you very much for having us here. I appreciate it. And uh, I was absolutely overjoyed to hear so many budding worship leaders singing. It made me kind of like maybe mumble the words. That was amazing worshiping together. So, thank you very much.